Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. What's going on, everybody? Chris Clark here. GamecockCentral.com, Friday edition of the show. We are already a third of the way through the Gamecock football season. Hard to believe. Hard to believe we're this far into the calendar year of 2021, and hard to believe there are already four games into the start of the Shane Beamer era. Game number five, of course. Tomorrow, 3.30, Williams-Brice Stadium. Hope you are all going to be out there enjoying the game, enjoying the weekend. I think it's supposed to be nice this weekend. I think I've not gotten the updated weather report. Another good opportunity for a sponsor here on GC Live. But we do have, of course, several sponsors that we work with. One of them is our primary presenting sponsor. That, of course, you all know him. We know him. We love him. Clint Hammond of the Mortgage Network. If you have any questions about your mortgage, if you are ready to refinance, if you aren't sure if you're ready to refinance, call Clint, email Clint, um, 771-803-771-6933. Make sure you hit him up. Gamecock fan, Gamecock Central supporter, an all-around great dude and excellent in the mortgage department. His NMLS number is 71597 and mortgagenetwork.com. Appreciate Clint, as always, being our primary presenting sponsor. Now, you may have noticed, as I have to do every now and then, my colleague Wes Mitchell not here quite yet, taking care of some business. We do, as this phrase has been tossed around as a joke, I've gotten some texts like from our guy Kevin Roche. Wes and I joke a a little bit about it. We do have a website. So, GamecockCentral.com, GC Live, just a small part of what we do. For GamecockCentral.com, and uh, we are attending to some matters all day when we're not here on the show at GC Live, all day, all night. So Wes doing that right now. He will be here momentarily, maybe within the next 10 minutes or something like that, but uh, already a bunch of you here on the chat. Glad glad to see YouTube popping. Uh, you guys have really figured out that YouTube is the place to be. It is probably the best place, in my opinion, to watch the show, whether you're watching it live whether you're watching it on the replay. Hello to Rob, Ty, who's already clamoring for Dead Soxie. We'll get there, man. Don't worry. We will get Dead Soxie. Hope I don't miss anybody. Zane Surratt, appreciate you being here, man. Joey, Travis, Greg, HMAN98T, Thompson, Mark Anderson, Daniel Watts, Jerome Pruitt. Jerome, don't call me Jeremy Pruitt. Sorry, you probably get that one a lot. I can't help myself. There are a whole bunch of people in here. I, I can't name all of you right now. Dean Lawless is a member of Gamecock Central. Appreciate you. Appreciate you very much. 
and Jeremy says he likes the Wes and Chris combo. I do too. I do too. Um, and that's why I'm very glad that Wes will be here very soon. Uh, no, that was the wrong one. Gamecock Ryan says, love the show, but hardly ever get to watch live. You guys are awesome. Hey, really appreciate you, man. Really appreciate you saying that, but glad you do get to watch live today because it is Friday. And we are glad that you still watch and or listen to the show afterwards. So, yeah, like I said, we do have a website. Before we dive into everything today, GamecockCentral.com, make sure you're checking out our website all the time, too. Uh, a lot of the questions that come up in the chat, we're glad to answer them on the show. We love interacting with you guys. Uh, we don't always get to all the questions or the comments on the show. So if you want to come interact with us on the Insiders Forum, come do that. Tons of stories. Uh, one time we counted it up. We have like 50 content items during the football season a week. So come on in. Come on in. <laughs> Jerome Pruitt. I'm a spinoff of Jeremy Pruitt and McDonald's, my alias. Okay. I like it. I like it. And, uh, yeah, Ty, how are you today, Wes? I'm fine. Thank you very much. So, hey, let's dive into it. If you guys have any questions about Troy, jump in. Today, I think our plan, guys, is, guys and girls, we are going to talk a little bit about, obviously, the South Carolina-Troy game. Uh, we started previewing it yesterday. I got a chance to sit down yesterday morning, watch a good bit of Troy, fast-forwarding through a bunch of stuff, watching a bunch of their clips, a bunch of their plays. So we talked about that a little bit yesterday. If you missed the show, go back and watch it for sure. Um, and so we dove into some of the storylines to watch there. We're going to continue that today. Probably prediction time, I guess. I, I can't even – do you guys remember if we even made a, a like a firm prediction on the Kentucky game last time? I think we did. I know we do on the site. Again, the website, GameCutCentral.com. We always have our game day picks that come out that morning. And here's where I, I definitely want to go. This is where I was heading next. J-Rock Media, what's up, man? Pointed out, let's make some SEC picks. I totally agree. I totally agree. I do want to wait until we can loop in Wes on that um, because I know one of our plans for Fridays going forward, as long as y'all are good with it, and if you're not, we're probably still going to do it, to be honest with you. We are going to start breaking down a little bit more of SEC games, and there's certainly a compelling slate this this week, right? Um let me run through the schedule for you real quick. Again, we're going to dive into these. I, I want to get some thoughts from you guys, some thoughts from Wes. We're going to somehow or another break down some of these games. But at noon, right off the bat, top 10 matchup, Arkansas 4-0 with wins over Texas and Texas A&M this season. Under Sam Pittman, they've done a really good job. Arkansas at Georgia, number eight versus number two, right off the bat at noon. Tennessee and Missouri, right, a compelling SEC East matchup. Um, those two teams have the exact same record. They're both 2-2, two and 0-1 two, oh in the SEC. Both SEC East teams that South Carolina will see later in the schedule, both SEC East teams that South Carolina would be doing really well this year to notch a win against, to kind of, you know, we talked about Kentucky as being a measuring stick game, even though South Carolina wasn't favored. Don't know yet if they'll be favored against Tennessee or favored against Missouri. I think it'll be a week-to-week thing, right? It'd be you know, maybe they wouldn't right now, but maybe by the time those games roll around, we'll see. But those are those are a couple more of those measuring stick possible toss-up games that are on the schedule, right? Obviously, 3.30, one of the games that uh, you guys are going to be paying attention to, and we will, Troy at South Carolina. Another 3.30 game is one that has captured tons of national attention for lots of reasons. Ole Miss, number 12, 3-0, 0-0 in the SEC. 
their opening conference play with Bama, who is 4-0, 1-0 in the SEC, the number one team in the country. Then from there at six, another good one. Number 10, Florida at number 10, Kentucky. Kentucky undefeated. A chance for those guys to make to make some serious noise, right? Kentucky 4-0, 2-0 in the conference. They beat Missouri. They beat South Carolina. They're still perfect in terms of record. They don't have that signature win yet. Florida would constitute one, right? There have been some interesting games in that series lately. Uh, that'll be a huge game for Kentucky. And, and, guys, I give them a chance. I'll be curious to see what you think, what Wes thinks. 7 o'clock, Mississippi State against Texas A&M, who despite falling to Arkansas last week, still number 15, 3-1 overall. At 9 is Auburn against LSU. And here's one that may be the highlight. Well, you can't call it the highlight, the low light of the day, of the night, of the weekend. And that is the unofficial toilet bowl. It is UConn against Vanderbilt. Now, guys, we, we've kind of made a joke about it. Vanderbilt, we, we almost every show probably since the season started, we bagged on Vanderbilt. I look forward to later this year having our, our good buddy Chris Lee from VandySports.com on the show where he will probably bag on Vandy too a little bit, right? But Vanderbilt 1-3 this season, UConn 0-5 this year. Ooh, that's a tough one. The line there, actually, Vanderbilt minus 15. Over-under on points is 51. I'm going to have to get Wes to pull up the FPI on that game. You remember ESPN's FPI where they kind of they kind of give one team or another team a better chance of winning the football game based on their – it's a very interesting to statistic. At one point, maybe a week or two ago, Vandy was like 90% likely to beat UConn, which shows you just, whew, just how far they fall and how bad they are. Uh, but, yeah, Vandy with a chance to pick up their second win of the season. They did win one. They beat Colorado State. UConn almost won last week, guys. They lost 24-22 to to Wyoming. Before that, they've had some rough ones. So they are 0-5, and they are one of the worst teams in the country. They probably are the worst team in the country. So, all right, if you got questions about the Gamecocks and Troy, if you've got uh, questions or comments with your SEC picks, drop them in the chat. We'll get to them ASAP. Um, one thing that I, I want to ask Wes, and I would like to pose to you guys, what is your one upset pick this week if you have one? You, you can pick you can pick multiple upsets. You might say, hey, Chris, I think Mississippi State is going to get A&M because A&M kind of been a little unimpressive, right? They lost to Arkansas. Before that, I think people are forgetting this, they really struggled against Colorado, the Colorado team that has had huge problems in terms of scoring. So, I don't know if I'm going to pick that one. I probably wouldn't. You may think that. You may think that three teams are going to get upset. Give me your one that you're looking at. Is it Arkansas, Georgia? Is it Florida, Kentucky? Is it UConn, Vanderbilt? What is it? Let us know, and we'll go there. So, all right, South Carolina and Troy. Tomorrow at 3.30, right? Very interesting game. And, and we hit some of the storylines yesterday, and we may expand on those or talk with those, talk about those more a little bit today, especially when Wes gets on here. Obviously, two teams that have some similarities, and when I say that, not really stylistically or anything, but some similarities in that um, the defense has carried the day for both teams, right? Shane Beamer 
has rattled off some of those statistics, nine sacks against Southern Miss against a, a pretty mobile quarterback, um, top five or top 10 in some statistical categories. And Wes and I told you guys yesterday about some of their best players, you know, Carl Marshall, their middle linebacker who has gobs of tackles and is one of the better defensive players in the country, even though, you know, five, nine linebacker, but one of the most productive linebackers in the country, a couple edge guys, Javon Solomon, Richard Jiminor, who's a, an Auburn transfer, you know, they've got some guys there, right. That are pretty good on defense, South Carolina. Uh, we had seen, we knew some of their best players coming into this year. And, and those guys have, have been what we expected. JJ Nigbari, Aaron Sterling, right. We, we've seen some of these guys, but they've also had some individuals that have taken steps forward. For instance, the secondary, no doubt has played better than most folks anticipated myself included. They'll continue to be tested. Maybe there's some issues that crop up, and there have been some issues at times, but for the most part, that group has performed better than expected. The similarity between Troy and South Carolina, and this goes in that something has to give category, both of these teams have struggled offensively, and both of these teams have struggled to rush the football. You guys have seen it. You guys know the numbers. It's been the biggest talking point of the season for South Carolina, not Oh, hey, they lost to Georgia. They lost to Kentucky. Everything, almost everything, don't want to say everything, almost everything has been hyper-focused on A, the offense, and B, as a sub-point of that, focused in on the running game because that is kind of the key for this. That was that was what was going to unlock whatever potential this offense had for South Carolina. And, and where really it's landed is the passing game has been probably a little bit better. It has not been great or very good it's been probably a little bit better than we anticipated and the running game has not been anywhere close to what anybody expected um troy same deal right they have a veteran offensive line they have a a quarterback that's got some mobility sec experience even um they have some receivers and they've got a couple good backs that they feel good about but yet they have been Basically, I mean, they've been borderline atrocious running the ball or even atrocious. I mean, one of their games, 0.9 yards a carry, two something yards a carry, one point something yards a carry. South Carolina has been, you know, better there for the most part. So definitely a a, uh, definitely one of those games where something has to give. Now, South Carolina's favored in this one. I'm going to go ahead and give kind of a spoiler on this early, very early. I do think South Carolina gets it done here. And I'll detail a little bit more of why later, and I might even throw a score in there. But, you know, I, I think South Carolina is going to do, be able to do a little bit more in the run game this this week. I don't know if it's going to be solved to where it looks great overnight, but I do think they'll be able to do enough offensively in this one. What's up, Wes? I'm here. I have arrived. Um, you are. Hold on. Should we Should we do the switch? Yeah. I was going to say, let's do the switch. I think, I think we have to, right? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, yeah. There we go. Order has been restored on GC Live. So, yeah, so we, we've we already hit a good bit. Um, starting to dive into some things. And I know, Wes, you and I had talked, and, and I passed this on to the people. We wanted to get more into some SEC thoughts and picks even. And one, one question I posed is, there are several games that look like possible upsets this week. Like that's the case every week. 
But there are several games here, namely, you know, Ole Miss, Bama, um, Georgia, Arkansas, Kentucky, Florida. People are eyeing these games as being important and also potential upsets. So the question I posed and the question I've been thinking about as I'm talking is what is the one upset pick within the SEC? We went through the schedule. There's tons of compelling games. The three I mentioned, uh, you've even got some like Mississippi State at A&M, right? Auburn, LSU. You've got what we've deemed the toilet bowl with UConn and Vandy. That'll just be appointment viewing because of how bad it'll be. Upset picks in the SEC, man. And, of course, some Carolina and Troy talk. We've also mixed that in. Oh, you you want my upset pick? Is that is that the – We don't have to go there yet. I'm just kind of setting where we are in the show. You don't want to come in and just – or were you listening to the show as you prepared to come on? I, I was not. I was not. Uh, um, I, I will say this, I, I'm i I'm hopeful, and I, I've, I've got somebody in mind. I'm hopeful maybe we get somebody on uh, on Thursdays or Fridays maybe to just be our SEC expert in the future, and, yeah. uh, you know, and we'll go from there. But um, I'm, I, I tell you what, my most intriguing game is, you know, I, I'm curious to see if Ole Miss um, can – can hang with Alabama, obviously, but for me, I, I want to find out is is Arkansas for real? Like, if you know, I, I think to me, Arkansas doesn't have to win that game for me to be like they're for real. If Arkansas goes in and and hangs with Georgia and can hang on the lines of scrimmage, um, you know, we 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 all saw everybody on this on this. Uh, show right now including the two of us and everybody in the chat saw how good georgia is so i I think if if anybody can go in there and hang with those guys then that's probably a pretty good sign for you know for their season so arkansas has been on on the up and up they're still shoot man right now as good as arkansas has been arkansas is an undefeated team right now four and oh they are 17 and a half point underdogs to georgia this weekend so interesting, very large line there. And Alabama, of course, at Alabama is a 14 and a half favorite um, over Ole Miss. Well, to me, Alabama, I I saw some little signs of cracks in their defense against Florida. You know Ole Miss and, and Lane Kiffin, you know, you know they're gonna have a plan on offense. You know they're gonna put up some points. So I'm I'm very curious to see how how high scoring is that game. Um, you know, can can they hang in there with Alabama? It, that would be a very interesting game, I believe, if it was in Oxford. Yeah. Well, and those are two that have captured a lot of attention. You got the whole Lane Kiffin, you know, Saban angle. Great story, by the way, on ESPN done by uh, our buddy Chris Lowe and Alex Scarborough. Did a really good uh, story on on Kiffin and Saban where they talked to both those guys. They talked to some assistants, Lance Thompson appearance, Wes, um, in that story, former former Saban assistant where he's talking about Lane Kiffin a little bit. Um, so – that that's a really compelling matchup for a lot of reasons, and because of the points. I mean, you're right. I, some of the stuff we saw from Bama's defense is the reason that me personally, I have Georgia number one right now nationally, because Alabama offensively they had to replace so much, but they they look great there still. But defensively, you take a Bama defense that's yeah, 
you know, it's not even like I, – I, I don't even know if Bama's defense could be classified as really good. I, I don't really know if we could do that. While Georgia's defense is awesome by all accounts, right, and they're and offensively they look pretty good too, and they're about to get some guys back. So, you know, I, I've got Georgia number one. You know, I think that makes the 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 Ole Miss Bama contest more compelling because we know Ole Miss, like you said, West is going to have a plan. They're going to be able to put up points. They probably can do that against Bama. And while Alabama can put up points, Ole Miss's defense last year, I mean, God, do you remember how bad they were defensively last year? It was awful. Oh yeah, and they're at least more solid there this year. You know, like are they? really really good no probably not but they're solid there and so that's an interesting one for me I I think Arkansas Sam Pittman's done a great job they were three and seven last year they were way more competitive they had a lot of close losses this year they're 4-0 but but I don't know that I'm quite sold on them like they whipped Texas that was a great win they beat A&M don't really know how good a and m scuffled with a bad Colorado team, you know so how how good is a and m i think I think people are kind of taking Arkansas and saying they're four no they're on the rise they're playing really well that's true they're also about to run into Georgia, so for me, I kind of put that one a little bit down on the upset possibility you know pecking order so I don't know if we quite call this separation Saturday yet, Chris, as far as, um, you know, to me that's generally reserved for like more national type games. But I will say in the SEC, um, we're going to start to sort of see, I believe, some separation and who who's going to be fighting out of like the, the basement, who is going to be sort of a dark horse to maybe win the East if, if somebody can knock off Georgia because – you know, dude, I'm I'm looking at this Kentucky team that obviously beat South Carolina last week. Although, to me, honestly, I'm not quite as impressed with Kentucky as as I maybe thought I was going to be going into that game. But Kentucky always plays Florida pretty tough. It feels like like they've had some some narrow some narrow misses against Florida. So uh, Florida has to go to Kentucky. Um, you know, man, and then this, this Auburn LSU game. This is a matchup with uh, two teams that already have a loss this season. Um, two teams that, I mean, they're sitting there. They're both at three and one, right? Any, you know, ninety percent of other places in the country, you're sitting at three and one. Your fan bases are, are relatively happy. I feel like. Well, I feel like there's already people, you know, as far as the Auburn and LSU fan base that are sort of grumbling. LSU didn't obviously have the year they expected last year. Auburn has a brand new staff, but Chris, they already have drama in year one. They've already fired a receivers coach. There are reports of a divide within the staff. You know, this, this is one of those things where whoever loses that game between LSU and Auburn, you know, to me, the, not that the, there's a hot seat at Auburn yet, uh, you know, as far as their head coach goes. But um, who knows in that place, man? Well, true, it is Auburn. It is Auburn. But but no, probably not. But I, I think you you know you look at you know 
you look at Ed Orgeron, the the national championship only buys you so much time at a place like LSU. So, dude, I'm sitting there. If Auburn wins this, what does that mean for Ed Orgeron? If Auburn loses, do you know that there's been a lot of talk about, um, you know, them just not really being on solid ground right now. I feel like so. How how much of that is just talk? How much of that is real? I, I'm not sure, man. So I, I'm sitting there. To me, those won't, that game like won't be as talked about as some of these other games, but but we'll have some real just um, strong implications for those programs. And then, dude, like you said, Vandy Vandy's a fourteen and a half point favorite, probably for the for the first time in the history of their program. So, oh man, Ooh. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, yeah. I, had to, I had to get our one uh, our one Vandy yeah. our one joke at the expense of Vandy today, but. But in all seriousness, I think they have it switched, man. Vandy and UConn should have started the day for everybody at noon. And then yeah. Georgia-Arkansas should have been the primetime matchup. I agree. And it's a great point about the Auburn-LSU matchup. And LSU's favored in that one, Wes. Is that right? By like two and a half or three? Yes. That and verify that for me if you have it, because I'm I'm definitely going with that, and I think I saw that earlier. But you know, LSU LSU favored by three by three. Okay, yeah, I, I'm actually picking Auburn. That that to me is my most likely upset. Now it's not like as sexy as some of the other ones because it's not as big of a spread. It's not you know top ten teams or whatever it may be. But that to me is the one that I'd eye as being the most likely. Um, and Auburn, like you said, has had some issues. They also just went on the road in one of the craziest atmospheres we've seen in a while, seen in a while at Penn State, and they came out with a chance to win that game late. So, you know, I think – and this is a pretty good Penn State team. So I, I think I think that's the most likely one. Now, with the stuff about how this is going to affect the fan bases of those schools, very interesting because Orgeron, I mean, he bought himself a lot of capital with that national title, the amazing year they had. But the shine is kind of worn off. You know, last year was a weird year. Yeah, you kind of give people a pass. They had staff problems there with Bo Pelini, that weird fit. They fixed that, quote, unquote. But now if they scuffle this year, that combined with, Wes, some of the off-field stuff that they've had at LSU, when things aren't going as well on the field, you don't overlook that stuff as much as an, as an administration. And so – it could certainly get interesting. But that, to me, I, I, I wish – honestly, I wish that I thought one of the other games was a more likely upset, but that's kind of the one that I'm I'm going towards. Well, let me throw one at y'all that's, I would say, well under the radar right now because it hasn't popped off the screen yet, even when I was looking at this stuff. But Tennessee and Missouri, to me, fits in that category of are you going to be a middle-of-the-pack SEC East team this year, or are you going to be down there just above Vandy this year? You know, I, I think, um, you know, fighting for for sort of that uh, just maybe just out of the basement spot because both both teams right now are 2-2 two and two overall. Both teams right now are 0-1 oh in SEC play. So, you know, you're, you're basically fighting. If you're Tennessee, you're at Missouri. New staff, you know, you're still in the honeymoon period, but you want to – you know, you, you want to at least get off to a, a, a solid start, and you'd be looking at an 0-2 start in SEC play. That's obviously a game many South Carolina fans, I believe, will be pretty interested in with South Carolina going to Knoxville next week. 
big swing game for the Gamecocks. But, uh, you know, that, that'll be interesting to see how what, what mindset Tennessee is in going into that game. I, I know a lot of people sort of, uh, I would say, subscribe to the theory that, you know, you want you want a team to be coming off a win when they when they play. You don't, you know, that whole thing. You don't want them to come off a loss because they're pissed off. I I don't know if I've ever completely like bought into that. Um, you know, if, if it's a great team, like if it's a great team, and they get like that wake up call where they sort of get brought down to earth. I I think Chris that maybe does apply. Now, if you're talking about a team that's not really been great, that struggled, they already have two losses as is them losing again and maybe starting to point fingers and have, you know, issues get exposed when you lose that, that probably get overlooked uh, in the locker room when you're winning. So I I don't think this is some, something where if like Missouri wins that decreases the chances South Carolina can knock off Tennessee. If anything, I think you just want Tennessee to play a, a hard fault game that they have to fight through and then, and, and lose the game, in my opinion, going into this South Carolina-Tennessee game, not to get ahead of the Troy one, but that uh, will clearly be a big a big game for South Carolina as far as the trajectory of this season. Yeah, no doubt. And and I I do think that's going to be an important game. So what we were talking about earlier, Wes, before you came on, and that that Tennessee-Missouri game was kind of a, a showcase game for, you know, it, it's not going to decide the East pecking order this year by any means, but – it is a couple teams that South Carolina will see this season on the schedule. And like you said, two of those teams that if you could notch a win over them this year and, and move yourself above them in the pecking order for 2021, maybe that gives you some momentum of, you know, maybe not a permanent pass, but that, hey, we had, you know, you had a bad run. You won four in 19, you won two in 20 in a shortened year and, and an all conference schedule. But Things order's been restored a little bit to where, hey, South Carolina hasn't fallen permanently behind these two teams. So it's all it's big for that, and it's big because you really, Wes, are probably going to need what both of those games to get bowl eligibility. You know, I mean, at, at this point, on, on paper, absolutely on paper. You know, unless you can, because otherwise you're banking on, okay, let's go beat Florida, let's go upset Clemson. You know, something like that. You know, you, you need to take the games that are a little bit more winnable. And so, obviously, one of those is this weekend at Troy, an opportunity to go notch another win, get back in the win column instead of the 500 column, and then get ready to go play Tennessee. But, you know, challenging task at hand for South Carolina, given some of their challenges and things that they faced uh, so far this season. Yeah, so uh, you want to sort of go into this game one one final time here, Chris? We talked about it for, for a good portion of the week. Let, let's talk. Let's let's mix it up though. Let, let's talk uh, recruits again because we do sort of have. Um, we had been working on a a little mini list uh, that I had posted earlier, but now we have a a more complete list for South Carolina's visitors this week. First and foremost, official visit from Kason Henry. So uh, already committed to the Gamecocks offensive line target. They locked him in this summer, so he'll get the official visit experience of course the one everybody will be talking about the one everybody will be asking about will be oscar delt um interesting chris you've got uh you know looking through our list you actually have a couple of other delps on here as well you got henry delp topher delp 
which, of course, are Oscar's younger brothers, one of them being a tight end, one of them being a wide receiver. Henry, a 2024 tight end, and Topher, a 2025 wide receiver. But, you know, I, I think, Chris, we've talked about this earlier this week. I think the – the I don't know if consensus is the word, but the thought, the thought process for us here at Gamecock Central, you know, is that it's probably going to be Georgia for Delp. Sure seems that way. I, in general, when a guy, you know, sets a decision and then has more, you know, visits after that, I, in general, think they probably have a pretty good idea of where they're going. That said, how, if any, Chris, how much do you read into the fact that they're still taking this visit? And my, my point in that being that Delp has been to South Carolina already. You know, it's not it's not like it's not like he hasn't been here. I know I know it's been in the works from the very beginning yeah. to. Uh, not from the beginning, I should say. But, but once they decided not to make a decision during the summer, it was always sort of planned um, if he was going to take some visits during the season that he'd go to pretty much all of his finalists one more time to sort of see them play in person. Um, granted, this could just be a, well, I said I'm going to do it, so I'm just going to follow through and complete the process. Just like if you make a decision – but you want to just make, you know, you want to confirm it in your own mind type thing. Could could be that. But I, I do think it is a, at least interesting mm-hmm. that, you know, from a, if we're in the mindset of it's probably going to be Georgia, then it's kind of interesting to me that he is, uh, you know, going to take the trip. And not that I expect, uh, you know, a, a, a huge shift, but if – if a guy takes a visit, you you do always have a chance. Yeah, and, and I think w- that last point you made is kind of, if you're South Carolina, that's what you have to bank on. Now, that doesn't mean the likelihood of something shifting is is there. Um, but does it give you a chance? Maybe. Um, right now, I mean, look, Georgia is, is almost the clear pick, you know, right now um, with everything that's happened, the way that, you know, a- everything that, Delp has been saying that he was going to look for is in place, right? They're the, they're the home state school. He knows a lot of people there. There's a lot of hype deserved around Georgia this season. He's an in-state kid. Uh, they He's really been looking at how teams are going to use the tight end after spending, you know, basically the spring and the summer hearing about how they're going to use the tight end. Well, now he's had a chance to actually see that on the field. And unfortunately for South Carolina, Georgia's offense has had more success. They've been really good this year, and they've also been able to get the ball to Brock Bowers, who's someone that Delp has singled out in the past, saying they really he was really going to watch and see how they use him. South Carolina is not because probably a product of their offensive struggles so far, not been able to get the ball to the tight ends as much. But look, South Carolina's done a great job recruiting Delp. I think there's lots of reasons for Georgia to feel good. From what I've heard, they do feel good about the Delp situation. But you take a swing, and if you go down, you go down swinging. So you get him on campus, and you see what happens. Maybe something does happen. I, I don't know what it is, right? But maybe something does happen. And so you, you always take that opportunity. Delp has a great relationship with Shane Beamer, Eric Kimry. So, um, and, and you're right. He, he's always said 
I'm going to watch the tight ends and I want to take a game visit to the schools. And South Carolina and Georgia have been running one and two in this thing for most of the process. So um, it could be a combination of things, a respect factor, wanting to follow through, wanting to take in the game, wanting to be sure. It, it might be just kind of a mishmash of all those things. We'll certainly watch that and and see what happens. We'll we'll try to get some feedback for you guys on GamecockCentral.com. Of course, I'll tell you, man, to me, one of the more intriguing visitors, though, uh, once you start getting past, you know, the, the whole situation with Delp, it's Caleb Webb, a, a wide receiver that we have told our Gamecock Central subscribers about. He is at McEachern High School, which is outside of Atlanta, Powder Springs, Georgia. And I'm telling you, man, this guy fits the sort of uh, that that scenario where a kid just blows up, you know, as a senior. And we we maybe don't see that quite as much anymore as as we once did. But this, you know, this is a kid who was behind, from what I understand, a couple of seniors who were pretty good last year, was more of a track guy earlier in his career, has just sort of seen – uh, I don't know if it's like one of those things where the light bulb just sort of flipped on or he's getting more opportunities. It, it can happen many different ways. But Caleb Webb, when you look at South Carolina's need at wide receiver, obviously they want Antonio Williams. Like that's that goes without saying. He was in on his official visit this past week. But I, I think they want Antonio Williams and another guy if, if they can find him, if they can find the right guy. They had Dan Key in this past week, of course. Probably going to be difficult, in my opinion, to get him out of Kentucky when you look at the ties there. Um, you know, Jaden Gibson was another we've tracked since the summer. I think that's pretty much out now. So, you know, you're trying to find a guy who who makes sense and who fits. And for a lot of reasons, I, I think this is a big weekend for South Carolina with Caleb Webb. And I, I think he's one to watch, man. Not – not to say, you know, we'll have to see how the weekend goes, how the visit goes. Does he connect with everybody? Does it, you know, does it sort of connect with him? Does this place um, sort of present the vibe he's looking for? You you never know exactly what a kid is looking for. But in my opinion, this is a, a late-blooming type difference maker that could help South Carolina. Yeah, and we've seen some of those uh, <clears throat> pop up in the past, man. What? What was that kid's name from Georgia that cropped up late and got all the SEC offers maybe a couple of cycles ago, ended up going to Minnesota? Um, you know, we see – I can't come up with his name off the top of my head, but South Carolina and Florida State, I think Georgia, a bunch of schools ended up offering him, and he turned out to be a stud, you know, over there. Um, and, and so you see this, whether it's in the state of South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, and especially, look, we're just coming off a really, really weird time in recruiting – Summer camps were only back this summer. Evaluations have been out for quite some time until this fall. So this is a kid that Justin Stepp took the opportunity to go and see. Once he did that, South Carolina offered. You see right here playing against, I think, a couple of these clips are from against uh, Hillgrove, which is Emory Floyd's team. I actually talked to one of the coaches at Hillgrove um, not too long ago who played against Caleb Webb, and he was like, this kid's really good. So um, he's put up good numbers. Six games this year, Wes, 37 catches, seven touchdowns. Against Hillgrove, he had two touchdowns. Against Kell earlier this season, he had six catches for 146 yards and three touchdowns. 
So he's ha- he's having a productive senior year. This is a big kid that can run with ball skills. So obviously, you know, a need area for South Carolina to continue upgrading there. Are you talking about Rashad Bateman, Chris? Yeah, that's the one. Yep. I knew it was Rashad or, or I wanted to say Rashad or Brashad, but Rashad Bateman is the good. Yeah, that's the good. He ended up getting, dude, he got drafted in yep. the first round. I, I didn't realize that. Uh, yep. I had, I had not put two and two together there, but I, I remember, yeah, that kid absolutely yep. blew up. And, dude, Caleb Webb committed to ECU is a, he was a two star guy on Rivals. Now he's a three star guy. I I think has the makings to possibly, you know, I think he's a mid three star. I think he can keep climbing in the rankings just based on what I've seen and, and what I've heard about him. A, a kid that can do a little bit of everything, man. He's big, he's long, but as you can see here, he can run too, man. So you you can always find a place for guys like that. Um see him making this catch here. This is in the in the uh the bins, I believe. Yeah, I think I think that was game. I think this is the Kell game, Corky Kell Classic. Yeah, and I think they might have played Kell in that game, but that's the game where he had he had three touchdowns in that game. So he's, I mean, he's had last week against Milton. His team actually lost. He did not score a touchdown. Only two games he hadn't scored a touchdown, but he had eleven catches last week for one hundred and twenty-two yards. So. Yeah, he's put he's put up some good numbers, and the the film doesn't lie about this. Like I said, big kid that can run, and uh, South Carolina seems to like this kid a good bit. Returning kickoffs uh, for touchdowns as well. Never a bad sign when you got a guy that's that size that can successfully do that at the high school level. Uh, let's dive into the game, man. I mean, uh, you know, talking to John Johnson um, earlier this week, it's two teams that just have not run the football the way they have wanted to. I think, you know, if you want to look at this next segment from, you know, just a, a keys to this game situation, man, I don't I don't know if it even goes much further than that. Like, I, I almost feel like all the other things will either, uh, you know, if there are issues, they're going to show themselves if, if that particular team can't run the ball. The other side will probably be pretty true as well. If whichever side does start running the ball, some of these other issues will – just magically go away. I think there's there's something about being able to run the football that makes you right. That sort of fixes some, some other issues. And you, you look at South Carolina. They've had you know. I, I think you look at Josh Van emerging obviously this season. You know we know what they have at tight end. If if the running game is there, man, it just opens up so much for these other guys. By the way, I I don't know if you listened to Shane Beamer yesterday on the Colin Show. I did not, but I was listening to uh, to Pearson and Preston this afternoon, and Beamer said that this was Marshawn Lloyd's best practice of the season. So, to, you know, take that for what it's worth. I don't know what that means. We know that we know that they have been trying to find a running back to get him in a rhythm, to get a running back, you know, sort of going, give them room, and then give them the football. After just getting the one carry last week, Chris, I'm wondering if this is the week that uh, that Lloyd sort of gets an opportunity to get going. Because I, I I think with, with the if you were looking like at a best case scenario for South Carolina, if we're just looking at this from like a small just a small sign, if at the end of the first quarter one running back for South Carolina 
has like seven or eight carries, you know, for for like 40-something, you know, just – it doesn't even have to be a big play. But just a running back has been able to start finding some room, finding some rhythm, and started getting the football. That, that to me, would just make so many other things um, improve. Yeah, and, and you – you don't have to have a 60-yard run in there. If you do, great, because there hasn't been enough of those, that's for sure. But what they haven't had enough of is kind of what Kentucky did to South Carolina in, in that game. Eight yards, six yards, seven yards, four yards. You know, like, that's what you want to see. So by the first quarter, by halftime, that's the stat line you want to see. You want to see I – mean, you want to see four yards a carry. You know, it's like a as, – as the – Four, but but you want to see five yards of carry, six yards of carry. Get some explosive. Move the chains on one down. You know, uh, put yourself in a good second down position. Maybe throw the ball on first down, and then feel like you can go run it on second and third down. Like they've got to get the running game fixed. And so we have seen kind of that, um, kind of that running back by committee a little bit. And they won't. From what they've said, Wes, they want to get away from that. And we've seen that. You know, Kevin Harris started against Georgia. He played, you know, the most snaps in that game. He started against Kentucky, played the most snaps in that game. They've got four. It's tough to integrate four, especially when you're playing 50 offensive snaps. They'd like to get all those guys more carries. But to do that, you have to play more. You know, you got to be up in the 70 snap range, something like that. That's that's definitely where you want to be, 60s, 70s at least, and you want to be productive. So we've seen what Zaquandre White started two games. Juju McDowell was the lead guy at the end of the ECU game. Kevin Harris has gotten the start the past two games. Maybe it's Marshawn Lloyd's turn, like you said. So um, a lot of people have been waiting on him to break out. Maybe this is an opportunity for him. And uh, White, by the way, also is dealing with a l- being a little bit banged up last week as well. A little bit of a hamstring, so another just – aspect of that I think a lot of people were surprised myself included that Zaquandre White didn't like play at all you know going into that game but it is interesting man through four games just the the carries Harris 35 Juju 28 Marshawn 27 Zaquandre White 22 so all of them between that 35 and 22 number um Zane asked anywhere why White's production has slipped since ECU. I mean, I think that's a pretty easy one. He he didn't play last week, and they were playing Georgia, uh, you know, the, the week before. I mean, it's kind of a, a thing where, you know, they, they sort of tried to get the ball to Harris a little bit more against Georgia, which I thought made sense at the time. Nobody, nobody was going to sort of have a huge day that day. I don't care who you were. And then White didn't play um, at all. Last week, so. did he play on special teams, Wes? I think I saw him in the participation. I think definitely, definitely okay. did not play running back. Yeah, which, did not play at all. I think offense. that's what people are asking about. Obviously, is running back. Um, yeah, and and somebody said Coleman said how many of those twenty two came the first two games? All of them, right? I mean, didn't didn't see a carry against Georgia? I don't think it's Quandre White. He got he got um he, he got get- a. A few carries, I think. Okay, okay. I'd I'd forgotten those. He got a few late carries, I think. Um, I wasn't thinking. Then Georgia blocked my my attempt. <laughs> also, yeah. Hey, that's a good one, Ty. Man. Well, speaking of block, block 
your let me see if I can think of one. No, I don't have anything. No. Block your socks from falling off by using Dead Soxy's patented no slip technology. No, that's not that great. We'll start over. Let me put up the Dead Soxy banner. Gamecock Central is partnered with Dead Soxy. The fine folks over there at Dead Soxy, they make awesome socks, guys. Any well, I said guys, men's and women's, athletic, dress socks, no shows, patented no slip technology, and a buttery soft feel. Ty, of course, our biggest dead socksy stand, has ordered multiple pairs. I think he's probably going today to order more, and you should too. Follow Ty, follow Wes and I to deadsoxy.com. Get 25% off your order with the promo code COCKY. Appreciate them being part of the show. And we appreciate Ty being a part of the show. Being excited about Dead Soxy. Are you going to give a prediction on the show today, Chris? Yeah, you know, I think I've got a wild hair, and I'm thinking I am. Uh, I was telling the people earlier, Wes, that, you know, we do a prediction piece on the website that we have. We have the website at GamecockCentral.com. We have many pieces that come out, probably about 50 a week during football season, as a matter of fact. And one of those is our is our picks that come out what on game day I think, so I got to think of one in for the that game day guide. Yes, in the game, day, game guide. day, excellent piece. Uh, the breaking down the keys piece is yet to be published, but we will do that at some point as well. I hope. Right? Yeah, <laughs> we do hope. <laughs> is that for the first time in a while? The first time all season is that going to be a Saturday piece now? Because it, it may be it because may of be. where we're at. But, uh, yeah, I am going to give a pick. Is this the appropriate time to do so? Let's okay. do it. All right. So, obviously, with South Carolina's offensive struggles I'm not go- and, and the relative quality of Troy's defense, I'm not going to come on here and say, you know, South Carolina's going to score 50 points. Um, I think this is still a relatively close game at the end of the day. Troy offensively matched up against South Carolina's defense. Unless something goes terribly wrong, you wouldn't think they move the ball or score a bunch of points either. So I think I've landed on South Carolina 23, Troy 10. That's what I've got. Okay. I dig it. I dig it. Two touchdowns and three field goals for the Gamecocks. Nobody's all that happy if this happens. But your defense plays well. You run the ball a little. You escape with a win. And you're 3-2. How many rushing yards? Ugh. You know, you would think if they have the type – here's here's kind of the problem. If they have the type of rushing day that they kind of need to have to make people feel better about the run game, that probably would mean they score more than 23, right? Especially mm-hmm. because I've got them at that score, what, kicking three field goals. That means you're not punching it in in the red zone, and that means there's a lot of grumbling in the stands. Probably a bad sign. Um, shoot. Let's give them. Let, let's go smaller. A hundred and forty-seven rushing yards. Is that way too rich for you? No, no, no. I'm just saying. Even that wouldn't be like a. That's not a great number, but I mean, not, it's, it's not a great number at all. It's kind of hard. What do they have against EIU? What they have two something? I want to say. Oh. Yeah, they. Um... I don't remember the number. I can probably find it relatively easily, y'all. But um, I'll say this, man. It, it's kind of one of those games for me. Does, does it play out kind of like ECU where it's just a freaking chore to watch the game? You know, like it's just 
it's just like ugly or if you know I, I think if the running game finally starts to find itself a little bit you know and Troy turns it over a couple of times it it could it could get away from Troy I think like I think this could easily be a game that ends up being a, a pretty easy South Carolina win or if South Carolina just does not play well again offensively it could be an absolute grind uh, of a game yep. um you know they, they, you know, against ECU, they did not run the ball well at all in the first half. Found some room in the second. Um, so I, I don't know, man. What one would people be happy? What did you say? 140, 150? I said 147. 147. Okay. Would <laughs> so people right. be happy with 147? Well, and I think you I would know, say no. Yeah, probably not. But, but you also go by, you know, I mean, it's kind of how many possessions do you have? How many yards of carry are you at? Is the offense generally efficient? You know, my so I'll go ahead and say my scenario that I've laid out of like a game prediction. No, people are not going to be happy because again, I haven't kicking three field goals, so the narrative coming out is going to be score touchdowns in the red zone or whatever. You know, and and that would be deserved if that's what happens. It's just that you know, and by the way, South Carolina two hundred fifty four rushing yards against EIU. The rest of the games, though, man, it's been tough sledding. And it's not like, I mean, Georgia, throw that out. I mean, superhuman. You know, didn't run it well against Kentucky. Didn't run it well against CCU until late. I mean, solid, you know, defenses you're playing there. Solid, but along the same wavelength of probably what you're going to see the rest of the year, you know, against a lot of teams. So it, I, what my point is, I haven't been inspired by South Carolina's run game yet to where now, if they come out against Troy and they rush for 250, next week on GC Live, I may be saying, okay, it looked better. I think they can run for this against Tennessee, you know, and it looks a lot better. But right now, to use like a Marcus Satterfield term, like they haven't earned that. <laughs> you know, for me, it would have just – I could project it and say, well, they've got the talent to do it on the O-line and at running back, and you're kind of projecting that they fix it. That may happen. I just couldn't in, – in the prediction-making business, I, I couldn't do that. Yeah, and I, I think, Chris, if you look, you know, that's a Troy team that has had similar issues to South Carolina. Also, they haven't really played a bunch of great teams either. You know, yeah. so I, I take a little bit of their their success defensively, not that they don't have some really good players. I take a little bit of their, like, the fact that they're, like, top five in some categories. A little bit of a, like – grain of salt there if you know if you ask me like i'm not sitting there saying there's some some juggernaut like i i think they're they're similar to south carolina in some of the issues they've had but very clearly south carolina should have more talent than this troy team both on paper as we saw in your star power thing this week and you know in reality i, I think they do so we'll see if they can start to to get right on some things somebody asked why does jason brown not get a chance I would just say that the the issue has not been quarterback, man. I mean, I I think a the issue has not been Luke Doty, and b Luke Doty just got back. The you know at some point, and we're at that point right now, y'all. You've got to just let Luke Doty go play and go learn and go go become who he is going to be. For that's the best way I can think of to say it, Chris. Like you, um, you, you kind of you want to know is is this 
is this your dude? Like, is this your guy for the next? I mean, he can be here for the next three years, you know? Like, you you want to find out, is he your guy? The the only way to do that, you know, that's that's how the quarterback position works. The only way to do that is to actually let him go play. And if you're sitting there pulling him out at this point when he's not playing bad, I don't, I don't see how that accomplishes really anything, I, honestly. Like, I, I think he's he's played well. Is every quarterback that's ever suited up going to have some things early in their career, especially that they're going to want to clean up? One hundred percent. The little the little cornerback blitz where uh, that that I believe it ended up being a sack for for South Carolina against Kentucky. The guy, the safety came over and was basically stacking right over top of the cornerback. And I looked over there, I was like, "That's about to be a cornerback blitz." They completely telegraphed it. Mm-hmm. That's something that Luke Doty doesn't he probably does he probably never misses that again because now he's seen it. I'm sure it was pointed out in film. Now when he sees that, he's like, oh, it's gonna be a cornerback blitz. He had an, actually another really good recognition on a cornerback blitz when they tried to hit the one deep ball, I think to Van was a corner blitz. But point being, for anybody, but especially for quarterbacks, you've got to let them go play, you've got to let them make mistakes and then learn from them um but so in the response to what i said from sports and more is i don't think he has the it factor that a quarterback has to have i have not seen it first of all he's not playing full speed second of all he's not played poorly so we we again to to reiterate it again chris we have to remember a doty did not even play a ton of quarterback in high school compared to a lot of guys. B, he didn't play a ton last year. C, he obviously has not played a lot yet this year. So at some point, you just have to let the kid go play and get comfortable in the position. Yeah, and, and that's that's fully their plan. I know that the backup quarterback is probably or, – or quarterbacks. I mean, they're always going to be popular. That was the case. I, I remember – when we were covering Connor Shaw, how people wanted Shaw out. And I'm not saying Luke Doty's Shaw, right? But I'm just illustrating the point that if the if the offense isn't playing well, people are always they're gonna look at two people, the OC and the quarterback. Like that's where it's going. And a lot of times that's very fair to do. But we try to be nuanced on this show and break things down. And so we've tried to do that on the OC side, the play calling execution side, and with quarterback too. And look, Luke is still inexperienced. He's played in two different systems. Last year, he was playing quarterback and receiver. Uh, two of the games, two of the very few games that he's played and started were both against Georgia, right, especially this year's version. And he played pretty well in that game against one of the best defenses we've seen in a while. So I, I would echo your point. Are there things to work on? Absolutely. Maybe let's see what Luke Doty looks like when he's, A, able to run to his full capacity, B, is not coming off missing about a month to practice. C, has played more than five or six games. D, has a running game to speak of. Like, we could go on and on. How many more letters you got? <laughs> we Let's we see. could probably give a lot of factors. But, yeah, dude, how – how we'll never be able to quantify this, but how much did just missing that month, um, you know, of practice? For, for a guy who has not played, if you're – 
if, if you're Tom Brady or something, it's one thing. You can just miss time and go out there, right? Right. This is valuable developmental time for a quarterback. That was all missed. So I think we, we've got – nobody's making excuses, and I don't think he even needs people to make excuses because it's not like he's played poorly. Uh, but it, it has to be acknowledged, in my opinion. Ty did ask, um, out of curiosity, if there are updates on Zeb. Um, I, I believe Zeb's good to go, right, Chris? Like that's All indications are he's there, he's, he's healthy, he's good to go. Very helpful with Luke you know, in that quarterback room and has, has really vowed to do everything he can to help bring Luke along. All right, y'all, that, that's going to do it, I believe. Chris, you got anything else? We, we good? Good, man. I'll, so my, my final prediction will be in the game day guide and also on video with uh, Kendall Smith. We'll do the before the sandstorm day of game. So uh, check that out on Saturday. Obviously, we appreciate all of you for joining us every single day on GC Live. We appreciate all of our sponsors, Dead Soxie, of course, Clint Hammond, our presenting sponsor here of the Mortgage Network in Columbia, South Carolina. Guys, girls, appreciate it. See you all on Monday. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.